Welcome in once again to another Monday mailbag. I don't know what we're going to talk about today. I've no ideas. I don't know what might be on your mind. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Another tough weekend for the Blue Jackets. They went on the road for a couple of games. That's after they lost two at home on Tuesday. They lost to Pittsburgh on Thursday. They lost to Arizona. Arizona game, another one-goal game where the Blue Jackets just couldn't get it back to a tie, especially late in the game with a goaltender pulled. They got it to within one, but they couldn't uh, get it back to a, a 3-3 game. And uh, then they went on the road. Washington, Philadelphia, back-to-back. And lost in Washington. Lost in Philadelphia yesterday. Washington game a lot closer. Yesterday's game, final was 5-2. to two. Again, there were points where the Blue Jackets were in it. They were, and then they weren't. And now the Blue Jackets are looking at a nine-game winless streak right now. They are 0-7-2 in their last nine games. But that's only part of the story. Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine have been struggling. Johnny and Patrick both were benched at the end of the Arizona game, one-goal game, home ice. They were both sitting and watching as younger players went out on the ice and tried to get the Blue Jackets back into a tie. Johnny Gaudreau had sat uh, before that. Two other games had been put on the bench by Pascal Vincent. Patrick Laine struggled in the Washington game, and Patrick Laine was a healthy scratch yesterday in Philadelphia. And that took a lot of people by surprise. That garnered a lot of attention around the league. But you know what? I don't care what people around the league think. I don't care what they speculate. I don't... That doesn't affect me at all. I just worry about Patrick Line and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Was this the right move to make Patrick Line a better player? Is this what needed to happen at this point in time? Pascal Vincent thinks so. He's the head coach. He makes that decision, and Patrick doesn't play in the game. So I, I'm just worried about Patrick Lineik. Johnny Gaudreau finally came back to being Johnny Gaudreau on Saturday in Washington when he scored a goal. I mean, the moment that he scored a goal, it's a delayed penalty. He comes on as the extra attacker, and as soon as he gets on the ice, he gets to the puck and he scores. And from that moment on, he looked like the Johnny of old. All of a sudden, there was pep in his step. All of a sudden, he was making plays. He needed that goal in a huge way. And it made him better. Even yesterday, you know, again, he's noticeable again. Patrick Laine, a little different story. Patrick plays the Washington game. He has zero shots on goal throughout the entire game. This is almost unthinkable for a guy that once upon a time scored 40 goals in his career. And I know that was years ago, and I know he was fresh into the league, but really, really, what, what's what's going on there? They're trying to figure it out. They've moved him to center. He wants to play center. He's excited about playing the center position. That's all we've heard about. We heard it last year. We heard it again in camp. We've seen it in the early part of the season. He gets a concussion. He's out for three weeks. He comes back. They put him on the wing when he comes back, and then they move him to center. And he struggles, zero shots on goal, and then he sits out against Philadelphia. So Pascal Vincent's been 
making really hard decisions. Right decisions, wrong decisions, Time tell, only time will tell, to be honest with you. But he's doing what he thinks he needs to do for the whole, not for the individual, but for the whole, for the team. And then yesterday, like I was, uh, I was thinking, I think there's a, an old story about um, Ralph Kiner when he played for the Pittsburgh Pirates many, many decades ago now. But, you know, he went in and he demanded a raise because he was the best player on the team. And he was told by the general manager, forget it. We finished last with you. We can finish last without you. And that's kind of what happened yesterday, right? The Blue Jackets lost with Patrick on Saturday. They lost without him on Sunday. But the concern is getting him back to being the player that he was. Now, there's a couple of things I want to go over. I pulled a couple of sound bites here because I just told you I don't care what national people say. Okay, I... It's not about caring, I guess, but I I want to, I think I have some things that uh, can refute or better, to put it better, can explain the thought process. See, here's what the people on the outside don't have. They don't have the access to the people to, to ask the questions in real time as it's going on. I fortunately do. So there are a couple of things that I want to uh, point out, like case in point, I was listening to 32 Thoughts this morning with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, and, and I, I respect their opinions. There's there's no doubt about that. I do respect the opinions. But, you know, there's uh, there, there was a lot of talk about Patrick being moved to center and, and whether that works or it doesn't work. And, you know, is that what, uh, you know, should the Blue Jackets be just in on that and uh, nothing more? Oh, now you know what? This is This is typical trying to talk to you about all this, and I'm going to get ready to run these sound bites, and then guess what happens? My computer locks up. Ah, so this will be fun. Anyway, anyway, I'll get back to this in, in just a second, but let me finish my thought here. So, you know, there's from the outside, it's easy to say, well, you know, why are they putting him at center? What's going on here? Is this a last-ditch effort, uh, you know, for Patrick Line? Is this, um, you know, is, is there, is it, is something coming to an end in Columbus? And, and, you know, if it's something, it's more than likely the end of experimenting at this center position and going back to the wing, more than likely. So um, as soon as this thing powers back up, I will get back to that because I, I have some uh, Pascal Vincent that I want to play for you talking about Patrick Line playing at center because it's, it is worth wondering. Look, remember it was last year when Pascal Vincent was filling in for Brad Larson, who left because of a family emergency, and Pascal was being the head coach in Vegas, that was the first time that Patrick Laine played center. Again, it had been talked about, it had been discussed, but that's when it happened. So Pascal was obviously an advocate of him playing the center position. And then, in training camp, him playing the center position. You know, there was there was a question about whether or not that was going to be revisited when camp opened. I didn't know. I had no idea. We talked about it. You know, is he going to play center? Is he going to go back to the wing? What's going to happen here? Um, you know, if Pascal Vincent wasn't the coach, would he have been just put on the wing and, and been left to go there and see where it went? Yeah, probably. I would guess, probably. But that's not the situation. So put him back in the middle and... Let him try it and and see what happens with it. And they did. 
And again, some days it looks better than it looks other days. There's no doubt about that. But Pasco has some thoughts on it. And now my system's updating. Like, goodness gracious. I, just, I hate it. I don't want the system to update on the computer. I just wanted it to unlock. I just wanted the screen to stop freezing so I could push the button and play the sound for you. And now I'm not even getting that option. Now the computer, with a mind of its own, is just going ahead and, um, you know, rebooting and updating the system. I guess I shouldn't have declined that two times over the weekend, but when did it pop up? Right in the middle of games. Hey, we want to restart. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that now. You're not going to restart the system in the middle of the game. So now it gets me in the middle of the show. So uh, that's the way it goes. <laughs> I, I guess the way this season has gone, I shouldn't be surprised. Whatever can go wrong is going wrong. And it's uh, it's even gotten to me now. But anyway, um, I'll get this on here in a second. You know, I said to somebody yesterday, and this is what's frustrating to me, and I'm sure that it's frustrating to you as well. What's frustrating to me is last year, it was so difficult to go through. And, of course, we know why a lot of it was difficult with the injuries and all that stuff, right? But it was so difficult to go through. And then the summer finally comes and and the trade season finally comes and you see some new faces added and you see some new ideas and you hear about some things and, and you start to get excited again because whatever happened last year, is over with. You're done with that. You're moving beyond that. You don't have to think about that anymore. Now it is new. Now it is fresh. And now you can be uh, rejuvenated. And then this comes your way early in the season. And again, a lot of people were talking about this being a playoff team. And during the summer, when people would ask me, hey, are they going to be able to make the playoffs? I, I was honest. And my thought was, and my thought is, They may not be ready to make the playoffs yet, but I feel they should be close even if they don't. And that is still possible. Despite what we feel like today, it's still possible. But it just doesn't look look likely, right? So here's the thing. Because last year was what it was, that's what makes this harder to deal with, in my opinion. And I would guess that you feel the same way. I I came off the plane last night feeling as though last year never ended. Like last year has now rolled into this year with the losing aspect of it. And they're not losing the same way. And they're losing by one goal. And, you know, Pascal is honest when he says that this team could be four games above 500. I mean, I have a lot of comments and people say, I don't want to hear about being close and this and that. I get it. I get it. I understand. I understand. You could be close, but The fact is, you're winless in nine. I understand it. I get it. But there is truth to that as well. And if three of those games go the other direction, we're having a different conversation today. It might be a conversation that's heading in the direction that we are in today. I get that. But it's it's still a different conversation because you have six more points on the board and you're, you know, you're you're saying, well, we could have even more than that, but we don't. But right now they're saying, hey, we could have, but but you you have nothing in essence. So that's what's making it so tough. And and that's why, you know, for me, it just feels it's depressing because it feels like last year has sneaked into this year. And I don't know if the players feel like that, but I also don't know how they couldn't to an extent because now it is just, you know, you're and they're trying. They really are trying. 
That, that's true, too. Like, everybody's quick to say this guy's not doing this, and Patrick Laine's not doing this, and he's not trying. Johnny Gaudreau hasn't been trying enough. And that, that, no, look, overall, it's a group that's trying, and it's a group that wants to make something different. I am just shocked that every mistake is magnified. As it was put to a couple of guys yesterday, is it hard to play when there is zero margin for error? And that's where these guys are right now. There literally is zero margin for error. And then the mistakes turn into big mistakes. The mistakes just jump off the page at you. Case in point, on the power play yesterday, Damon Severson tries to make a pass to Adam Fantilli. Pass isn't on target. Puck gets knocked to the neutral zone. Severson dives to try to keep the Flyers from getting a shorthanded breakaway. Not only does he not succeed in that, and they go down the ice two on O and score, and it makes it a two goal game, which was, you know, again, huge. When you're struggling to score goals and now you're down by two, it makes it that much worse. But then to add insult to injury, literally, Damon Severson gets hurt and has to leave the game and can't even finish the game. So that's what you got. Every mistake seems like it is a huge mistake the little ones turn big immediately and somebody asked me yesterday have you ever seen something like this i i don't know i remember my you know when i first came here it was the year after they had made the playoffs the first time so they made the playoffs what in the eight nine season so you know my first year here ken hitchcock was the coach he didn't last the season he was out um, the Blue Jackets then, what was it, the next season finished dead last, and that was the draft where they uh, even lost the lottery and then took Ryan Murray second overall in that one. So I've I've seen them lose. I've seen them win. I've seen them lose. But like this, I don't know. This is, this is unique, and I don't say unique in a good way. I don't say unique as a compliment here. And I, I think this one just has a lot of guys – pounding their head against the wall and saying, how does this happen every single night? I said this on the air last night. The empty net goal that the Flyers scored was the epitome of what is going on right now. Because Cam York gets that puck inside of his own end. All he wants to do is get the puck out of the zone. That's it. He's not shooting for an empty net. He's taking the puck. He's rimming it around the boards. He wants it out. That's all that mattered to him. And what happens? Puck gets tipped, ends up coming off the wall, gets up on end, rolling like a tire, and it goes. not only does it go into the empty net, this is what really struck me. It doesn't just go into the empty net. It splits the uprights. It goes into the middle of the empty net. This guy's not even trying to score. And not only does he, but he scores perfectly. Ridiculous. It just kind of put everything in perspective to me. It's like, what is going on? I mean, there's there's Murphy's Law, and then there's this. And it's, uh, it's mind-boggling. It's frustrating. I can give you, I don't even need to open a thesaurus. I can't even say thesaurus. I don't need to open a thesaurus 
to give you a whole bunch of uh, words that mean the same thing because I can just sit here and talk about my feelings. Again, disappointing, frustrating, mind-boggling, you know, uh, maybe I do need the source. Anyway, I'm tired of thinking about it. I'm tired of... It's tired of, uh, you know, watching it, and they're tired of playing within it. They want to be better. They're trying to be better. I want them to be better. I see them trying to be better. It's not working out. All right, well, after a good solid seven minutes, my computer is finally updated, and I can give you these uh, sound bites, and I will get to your questions, although I'm just going to tell you this right now, right up front. And I put out that I was going to do this show after the game last night, and I did that a little bit as an experiment because I wanted to see who would just react immediately and what they would say instead of waiting till the next day and maybe having a cooler head prevail. Um, you know, for my own entertainment value, I guess. And so I'm not going to read every tweet that says to fire everybody because that, that was pretty much it after the game, you know. This person, that person, every person, all that stuff. Like, you know, okay, I get it. I get it. I know you're frustrated. I understand. I get that. For some of those people that you're talking about, it's not going to make an immediate impact. Is it going to make a long-term impact? Maybe. Probably. Could. Whatever. But the fact of the matter is, if you want a, a, a turnaround right now, the things you're suggesting, it's not necessarily going to make it different for Wednesday or Friday. Or the next game after that, whenever that is. Anyway, let me get to this uh, Pascal Vincent on uh, Patrick Line. If you haven't sent me your question and you want to on X at Bobby Mac Sports, if you're with me live on Spaces and you want to ask your question, you can just request to be a speaker and I will bring you up. And I will do that. But I, again, I want to play these first. I want to be in the. Uh, I, I I want to give you all aspects and all angles and be fair about all this stuff. Okay, this Patrick Line stuff. So again. I was listening to 32 Thoughts. They're talking about uh, Patrick Line moving to the center position. And, you know, are the Blue Jackets just sticking with this? And are they refusing to back off of it? And, you know, uh, do they need to put him back at wing and all that stuff? So th- this is a question I asked Pascal Vincent before the game in Washington on Saturday. I asked him because Patrick played center the previous game. And, you know, my, my question for him here, I'll tell you what my question was. And then I will play his answer. My question was, you put Patrick Line back at center in the last game. I know he had no shots on goal. Or, yeah, that was the one, right? The Arizona game, he had no shots on goal, whatever. Anyway, I said to him, I know you're looking for more than just goals, shots on goals. You're watching the entire picture here. And what did you think about Patrick Line's play at center? And this was his answer. Just average to be honest with you, um, but it, it was just average the two previous games, or the previous game, anyway, on the wing. Um, I believe Patrick can play any position. We want to put Patty and Johnny together because I think they can, if they're, if one's going to click, the other is going to help the other one um, produce. I'm not stubborn in that regard. If I see it doesn't work, we're, gonna, we're not going to keep him. That's, I want what's best for the team. And there's a part of me and the coaching staff that we still believe that Patrick can help the team as, as, as a center. But if we see that it doesn't work, 
of course, do we have doubts? Yeah, we do. Um, but we're not 100% sure that it's not going to work. And when we're going to be there, we're going to put him back as a winger. Hopefully we never get there. But there's a part of me that says he could be a real good center in this league. He still wants to play, play in that position. So we're, we're going to evaluate. But like I said, I'm not, I'm not stubborn about it. If it doesn't work, what's best for the team? And that's what we're going to do. So there you heard it. He's not stubborn. If it's not going to work at center, he's not going to play at center. This is the Tage Thompson experience, right? Or experiment, I should say, in this case. I should say experiment because they're looking to figure out what's going to work best for Patrick Line. They're looking to figure out what's going to work best for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Tage Thompson was on the wing. They put him in the middle, and you know, and he was struggling on the wing. They put him in the middle, and boom, they've got a centerman. The Blue Jackets have a problem at center. They still have this problem. We all know that. You know, Adam Fantilli, they even started him on the wing. Now he's playing center. Okay, he's going to be a centerman. That's fine. Boom, we got that. Boone Jenner's going to play center. Sean Corrales going to play center. But let's take it a step further. Like, you're, you're talking about looking at the long-term picture. So how many of those people are in the long-term picture? Adam Fantilli certainly is. Corrali and Jenner? I know Jenner just played the 675th and 76th games of his career all as a Blue Jacket. But in some point in time, is is how how far ahead are you looking with him being a part of it? Is he going to retire here? I would be fine with that. Let's talk about the realities of the situation, and that is... At playoff time, he's always a very marketable player. So where where are you going here in the present and in the future? Okay, so you need centers. So you take a guy that you think might be able to play the position and you put him there and you give him a chance. And I, that's fine. That's fine. But for people that think that, well, he's going to play there come hell or high water, you just heard the head coach say something different. Okay, so that was Saturday. That was before the, the Washington game. Then I talked to Pascal about uh, the scratching yesterday. Now, he had, uh, in a previous answer to a question, he had told me that he feels bad for the fans. He feels bad for you because of what's going on and how they're losing games and they're not getting the results. And that is absolutely worthwhile. But when he when he said that, it made me think about something else. So when it came to the scratching of Patrick Laine, here's the question that I had for him. You made a tough decision today. You're going to keep Patrick Laine out of your lineup today. And you were just saying from a fan standpoint, and as you were saying that, I'm thinking of this from a fan standpoint. Johnny Gaudreau has had some real struggles. You put him on the bench a couple of times, but you haven't taken him out of a game. You are doing that with Patrick today, but does any of that have to do with the fact that he missed three weeks? I mean, he's just getting back into the game, really. It's totally uh, related to that. He came back, excited to be back. He came back um, um, cleared by the doctors and our medical staff, and he's, he's physically and mentally ready to play. Now we observed him for a few games now. It's four games since he came back. And um, I still don't see the Patrick Liney that I know he can be. And, and to me, that's a sign. And because we care about our players, it may not seem that way because of that decision, but we care about our guys. We want to put them in position to succeed. When a guy like him is not succeeding on the ice and the way he wants to play, we have to go back to 
the foundation uh, and the work that needs to be done in practices and gaining his confidence back. It's not about his physical condition. It's not about a mental um, pro, a mental uh, part of the game. Uh, I guess saying that the confidence part of it is is um, is what I'm talking about here. And and for him, it's just repetition, 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 because he can help our team, but. Those decisions are made for the, the good of the team and for our players, and, and we do it today because we believe it's the best thing for Patrick Laine. So there you go. That's what he told me one-on-one about Patrick Laine. And I wanted to play that for you because it's it's similar to what he said in front of all the media, but there's a little bit more to it than what he said there. Uh, you know, he was very honest in front of the media, but... You know, here he's talking about, you know, not seeing that same Patrick Line, going back to the foundation and all that stuff. So just wanted to put it all out there. There it is, uh, Pascal Vincent. Again, he's you can never accuse this guy that he doesn't think about what he's doing because he most certainly does. Most certainly thinks about uh, what he's doing before he does it. And and he's made some he's made some hard decisions. And again, as I said earlier, right decisions, wrong decisions. Well, we're, we're going to figure that out along the way. Right now, I want to give you the chance to ask some questions. And I'm sorry that took so long because I was rebu- rebooting, <laughs> rebooting, rebuking you. No, I was rebooting that computer so I could get that, uh, that sound out there. Because again, I want to, I want to have it all there. And now that I do, mollusk man has been patiently waiting to be on the show. How are you doing? Or no, he's not. Oh, of course that's not there. Thought it said, well, let's try this again. Are you there this time? Mollusk man, are you there? Can't hear you. Or man, uh, yeah. All right, I can't hear you. I don't know what's going on with that. So this is this is just great. We're going, uh, it's going wonderfully today. It really is. It's going absolutely wonderfully. Uh, let's try it again. One more Hello? time. There you are. Okay. Hey, it's me. All right. Third time's a charm, as they say. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry about that. Nope. Got it's fine. Some bad connection. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been listening, and um, I, I, heard your li- I heard your caveat um, about uh, Vincent. Uh-oh. Oh, you're gone. Lost it. You get a better signal. You get a better signal uh, request again because it just totally dropped out. So I couldn't hear what you had to say about the caveat. So I hope you uh, do get that better signal and we can we can discuss. Uh, what do I got here? Let me go to uh, X and get some of the things that you've sent to me. Luke says, I understand that you don't want to address questions on firings, but wouldn't you agree that a fresh set of eyes could serve as immediate motivation for the players? If I had a new boss evaluating my future contract, I would go above and beyond to make a good first impression. Well, that makes sense, Luke. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. I get it. I understand what you're saying. Is it right now? Is it, is that something you need to do right now? Or is that something that you want done right now because you want immediate results? And are you going to get the immediate results? Look, 
Patrick Laine's got a long-term contract. Johnny Gaudreau's got a long-term contract. Um, I'm not putting this guy in the same group because I think he's been good. Elvis Merz-Lakins has a long-term contract. Zach Waranski has a long-term contract. I mean, the guys, when you're talking about, you know, immediate improvement, you're talking guys with, you know, short-term deals. And, again, are the guys with the short-term deals going to be here for the long haul? I mean, that's the question, quite honestly. And now you might come back to me and say, okay, well, then maybe some fresh eyes could figure out whether they should be here for the long haul or not. And now that would be a, that would be a good comeback to that. But what I'm saying is, for those of you that are looking for an overnight fix, I don't know that the overnight fix is there. And because it's so many different things. Today, it's this. Yesterday, it was that. A week ago, it was something else. That's what has been the most frustrating part about it. Now, I, I will tell you this. There were two guys after the game yesterday, Boone Jenner and Matthew Olivier, who both talked about needing to play with more passion and more spark. And desperation is the word that I will use. Boone Jenner yesterday, if you watch that game, Boone Jenner was in the face of the goalie all day long. I mean, to the point he was drawing shoves and cross-checks after almost every puck that was covered in the Philadelphia crease. When he was on the ice, he was in the blue paint every time. And he was trying, I felt like he was trying to get something going there. Not a fight, energy to drag his teammates into what the heck was going on there. And I didn't feel like they bit on it. Matthew Olivier obviously was trying. He had a good fight with Nicholas Delarier. Again, it was one of those kind of staged fights, but it was one like we haven't seen in a long time. And it went for a long time, and they traded blows. And, you know, it was... You were in Philly. Of course you got to have a fight in Philly, right? Okay. So anyhow... um, so he's trying to do something. And then beyond that, I, from their post-game comments, I felt like to an extent they were both saying, we're looking for somebody else to get in on it. And we didn't find that somebody else today. And they didn't. And they need it. They need somebody to get sparked. Adam Fantilli has talked a couple of times in the last few weeks about how he hates to lose and he doesn't want it to become the norm. And it that's becoming a concern. It is. Like for these young guys, you got to start winning some games. You you can't be complacent with it and even when you get sick of losing, when it keeps on going and going and going, I'm not saying you accept it, but you expect it. And they got to get out of that. You can't expect it. And don't accept it. Those are two different words, right? I'm making that clear, right? They're expecting EX. Don't accept ACC. You know, you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, my whole point here is they got to snap out of that, but they, I felt those two guys were really begging for other people to get tired of this. I heard Zach Wierenski talking with Mark Shag out in the, uh, the hallway before the game about, losing and 
And he was, I could hear it in his voice, how tired of it he is. And I think what, what you want, I think what you want as a fan, what I want as a fan and what they want as teammates is they want, they want everybody to be so upset about it that finally they get something done about it. Now they've all got to do that individually if they want it to happen as a group. And I, I really felt like those two guys yesterday were really, really making a point that they've got to be better about that. They have to be better about that specifically. All right, let's try to go back to uh, X Spaces here and see if uh, Young Guns 27 is going to talk with me today. How you doing? Good. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Uh, a couple different things. I, I, you hear and reading everywhere where people want everybody fired and they want the whole house burnt down and 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 to start again. And, and I'm still looking at like this season, so maybe that's the the conversation in the off season. But but we I don't want to go through another season and, and looking at Tankathon every week to see who we're going to draft in the you know the top three. I, I still think we we can do something with the season. And if you look at the constants that that's there, and I know there's no overnight fix, but there's some glaring things that's constant, which is, you know, obviously the power play. And I mean, I can't obviously can't understate that enough. If you have scored any one of those power play and you get a power play going, any one of those games, it would have put us right in there or we, we would be having wins. So that, that is, that is something where that is an issue that's glaring. That's a huge hole that, it just seems like they're rolling out the same things. So, I, you know, I heard Pascal address it last night saying, you know, nothing's off the table, but that that needs to be like the top priority. And the other thing you keep hearing I, about I'm to is, the point on the power play, sorry to interrupt you. I'm to the point on the power play that you could throw Corrali, Texier, and Danforth up front with two defensemen, and I would take that because I, I don't know what's going on with all the skill guys that are out there at one time, but they are – They've been an absolute nothing. And and they did try to tweak a couple of things the last few games, but it it's not working. I, I would just go all the way down the bench and say, okay, give me what's supposed to be my fourth line, who's playing really well, by the way, at five on five, and just put them out there. I, I don't care. I don't care who does it now. It is, as you said, it not only is it glaring, it's honestly it's embarrassing because the guys that are out there, the talent that they have, the fact that they can't they didn't even generate a shot yesterday. That is absolutely, positively unacceptable. So, sorry to interrupt you. I just had to get that off my chest. No, 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 no. To- totally agree. I mean, every power play starts the same way, which is they pass it up. They pass it up top multiple times, and and, and you're even here talking about it in the stands. People saying, "Oh God, here goes the power play. Can we just like decline it and save the embarrassment? Because all they're going to do is pass it back and forth until somebody kicks it out of the zone. That's exactly what happens every time. And so that's 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 a thing. And then you constantly hear about the conversation about we're too young, we're too young, we're too young, we're too young. And, and obviously the other part about a center, the centerpiece. But you know what? You can kill that two birds with one stone. Is, is I know that people want to hang on to everybody that we possibly have, and I'm not saying you have to give up, the, you know, give up everything. But there is, there is other people out there that, that's available that we could go get and, and kind of add some, a little more veteran leadership to this group because it seems like there's a little bit of leader everybody's talking about and i know olivier did his part yesterday and i really do appreciate him trying to drag everybody into the fight and boone 
but it, it just seems like that seems to be the only ones who, who typically you see Adam, you know, Fantilli throwing it around and a few others, but there, it doesn't seem to be a constant. So there seems to be a, a leadership, hey, you know, drag other people in the fight type of thing that, that seems to be happening, you know, from a, either a veteran's presence or somebody else with grit on the team. So they need to get a, and I hate to even say it, get, go get a Garnet Hathaway. I mean, we hate him, but, but you need a guy like that who's going to be, who's also going to bring everybody else into the fight, who's a constant pest, or go get a center, trade for somebody like, a, you know, the constant, everybody's talking about Elias Lindholm. They're, they're wanting to, Get rid of him. So, go trade for him and give up somebody. But that—that's—that's the—that's the two where if you want to make adjustments, that's the two where, you know, again, not overnight fixes, but those are the two glaring things that constantly you, you, you hear everybody talking about it. You have players talking about we hate losing. We've never seen this before, but nobody's really doing anything. And the only people you see doing anything about it is is you know is an Olivier like yesterday is a, a Boone Jenner night in night out. Other than that, you really don't see. You know, there's moments for other people, but they don't carry it forward. That's that's all I have to say. I mean, again, firing the whole uh, the whole staff and everything else like that, you can address that in the off season. Doing that right now is really not going to change anything. No, I, in the short term. No, I agree with you on that part. And those those are good points. And uh, you know, you talk about getting a Garnett Hathaway. You're not going to get him because he's in Philly, and you got to find it. I I wouldn't mind having a player like him though. I agree with you. I wouldn't mind having a pest, somebody that's going to run around that other people know that he's on the ice and they're not looking forward to playing against him. Um, yeah, that, that would be nice to have a, to have a player like that, that, uh, other teams would have to think about, but, um, you know, another thing is, and I, and Hey, thanks. I really appreciate your comments today. Thanks for being on the show. Another thing is when you're talking about, uh, the leaders though, we go through this all the time where you get older guys, you're going to make your team older. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're tired of being young and I'm, I'm tired of them being young. I want them to be more experienced, but then you get guys and Eric Branson is a good uh, example of this. He comes in here last year and he's an older guy and he's been around the league, but he's just kind of staying to himself and he's, he's, he's not going to come in and tell everybody how to do things. Right. He's just going to get himself into it and, and figure it out. And I'm fine with that. I, I understand. Like, I think when you take a new job, the worst thing you can do is come in and start telling everybody how smart you are and how you know everything about everything because then nobody wants to do – they don't want to deal with you at all. They want nothing to do with you. That's what I'm trying to say. So you come in, you read the room, you figure out who the real players are. If you want to get something done, who's going to help you to get that done? It's just like in whatever profession you're in. It's the same exact thing. You know, had, wherever you work, have they hired somebody that has come in and told you from day one, like how smart they are? Like when that happens with me, I am done with that person day one. I've had it. Forget about it. Um, so anyway, we, uh, so they can get somebody like that. Is it going to immediately change? I don't know because of that whole, the veteran guys tend to lay back for a bit. So it, it still wouldn't change it overnight right away i don't believe mollusk man is back we're gonna try this again i hope you got a better signal this time i think i do can okay, you hear good. me okay yes i can tell yes. me about my caveat all right so yes your caveat about uh waiting until cooler heads prevailed yes. to get into vincent and um yarmo here here's my thing and i've i've, I've been thinking about this quite a bit 
The team, as Yarmouk constructed, I think if you're lucky, tops out as a wild card team, or more realistically, just outside of the playoffs. Which for right now, I'm fine with. Where we still have to let the youth build up a little bit. I'm cool with that. What I'm not cool with is how we're doing right now, because here here's my breakdown of the team as constructed in terms of personnel. We've got two uh, wingers, and I said wingers, um, that typ- that in recent years have been around a point per game in Gaudreau and Line A. Under them, you've got two uh, burgeoning top six center or two top six wingers in Marchenko and Johnson. I believe those are reasonable spots for them. You've got who I think is going to be a future face at the first line center in Fantilli. That's good. Below that, you've got good pieces in the bottom six. You have that good fourth line. You've got a sharpshooter in Chinikov. You've got like the gritty net front penalty killing presence in Voronkov. And you've got Cylinder, who's still trying to make it work, but not quite there. On defense, you've got Rensky, of course. You've got two uh, offensive-minded, two-way D in Provarv and Severson that would slot in pretty much any top four in the league, I would say. You've got Juracek, who is can eat as many minutes as he can as a 20, 20-year-old, looking good. And then you've got options on the bottom pair. That team should probably be hovering around, I don't know, at worst maybe like 18th, 20th in the league, and I think we're in the bottom five. I don't see how that's not on Vincent, because I also look at the team totals and just the play in general. I think our leading score right now is Provorov with, I think, 12 points in 19 games, which is just beyond unacceptable. Pretty much every player, every player not named Elvis Merzlikens has regressed massively since this year, and I think it's fair to say that that's probably more due to Backstrom's influence than Vincent's. We are giving up high danger chances left and right. We're not generating any. We're getting outshot basically every game. I, I, I just on a, on a fundamental level, like good, good coaches get more out of their team than this, and we're we're not. We we should be better than this, and I don't understand how that's not on. Pascal, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, obviously your points are are well made and well founded. This isn't ex- this is not an excuse for him. He took over this team four days before camp started. And well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. Also, is that when when he gave the press, I I remember I specifically watched that press conference when he was introduced as the the coach, not the interim coach, mind you, the the right, coach for right. two years. He, someone literally asked him, like, you know, what's what's going to be, like, the impact that Babcock leave, leaving so soon? And basically he said, you know, I, our systems don't differ terribly. It should be a pretty seamless transition. So if that's what he said, that's what I'm going to hold him to. And if this is his system, it's not a good one. Okay, so. and okay, and I will, I'll follow up on that. So whether it was, whether he tweaked it or whether it was the one that they worked on all summer, it is fair to ask the question, the system is what it is, but do you have the players to play that system? And and that's that's the question that I'm, you know, I'm looking now and I'm going, these guys just aren't comfortable with what's going on here. There's, there's just something that has to change. And, and I don't think you have to fire him for that, but I, I think that they should look at that and see if there are, what changes do they need to make to make this system to uh, to get it more to the players that they have. You can't, you can't just have a way of doing things and plot players into it. You have to, you have to play to the strengths of your players. And I'm not I so mean, sure that that's that, going on right but, now. 
I understand that, but I mean, even in Larson systems last few years, there were players that still made it work. You know, Danforth made it work. Uh, Corrali, Texier made it work. Line A was a point per game player. Johnny didn't fall off too badly from his time in Calgary. I mean, obviously going from, I, I consider that one fifteen point season an outlier, but <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, look, you want to get down to the to the the bare bones facts about it. Sure. You're paying, I know you're paying one coach in Brad Larson for a year that he's not working. Um, I'm not sure what the Babcock situation is, but now you're talking about relieving another coach and, and paying him for two years. I mean, he's got to find a way to work through it, in, in my opinion. I Look, I think he's a smart guy. It's not working right now. When he says they're close, I believe that they are close, but, but they're not there, and that's the bottom line. They're not there. But... There's, there's, look, there's a whole bunch of games coming up here. Like, if you don't start to get it figured out this week, you think this is a tailspin? It's, it can really go bad fast because of the number of games in a short period of time. So I, I hope that there, and I, and, and thanks for being on. I, you know, again, everything you said is you're right there. I mean, let's just bring all the facts into it. I, I don't, they're not going to make that kind of a change this early in the season. They're the changes that are going to have to be made are going to have to be, you know, with the way that they are, they're doing things or to see, you know, what's, do you talk to the players? You say, like, you can't, you can't t- say to a player like, okay, what do you want to do? And then just do whatever they want to either. I understand all of that. I, I mean, you, you've got to make decisions. They've got to adhere to them and, and they've got to, they've got to play the system, but there's something, just something just missing along the way there. And again, if you have two bounces that go another way in three different games, then it's bad, but it's not terrible. Right now it's right now it's terrible. It just feels terrible to everybody, right? Troy, you're next up on this Monday mailbag. How are you? Bob, all the fish in the world couldn't get me to feel better right now, let me tell you. But uh you work today, you're not you're not out on the boat again, you're not you're not skiing no. or something or something I, crazy. Bob, I wish. I wish. I was just going fishing with my grandpa because sometimes oh, cool. when he asks, especially when it's this late in the season, because up in New York, it's starting to get cold. Yep. He's like, listen, there's only a few weeks we got this left. Let's go. I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's go. I'll make it happen. Hey, man, you know what? When when that guy asks you to go, doesn't matter when it is, you go. because That's what I'm saying. That time's limited, right? Yes. Anyway, now to... that was that was a good thing to talk about. Now hit me whatever with whatever you're going to depress me with now. So there's a few things that I, I want to just highlight, and then I want to follow it up with a realization that I've made after I've thought about this for a while. So first of all, I think, obviously, I'm not a coach, and obviously I'm no better than any coach in the NHL, but this is just observation. I, I think, personally the forwards specifically when they're playing defense don't put enough pressure up at the blue line. I understand they're limiting the shots from the danger zone, but in my opinion, there's too much time and space up top. The zone control that these other teams are having. Yes, the shots are coming from the outside, but if you move it around side to side enough, you're going to, Instead of a defenseman taking a shot, a dangerous winger is going to be on the outside for one of these shots. And I think 
the system may need slight tweaking in terms of that. Because I just obviously, you know, if you give up too many shots, you're going to give up too many goals as well. And that's one thing that I've noticed. And I think that has to be addressed because obviously the defensemen themselves, they can't really get involved in the play up there too much, you know, and like they're in position in front of the net and battling on the boards. But I think the forwards are a little bit too loose up top. And I understand that is part of the system that they're trying to implement. And I don't think it's working. Number two. Well, can I, can I get in on that, on that one? Jump for jump on it. All right, jump first on of all, top. every time you say danger zone, Kenny Loggins pops into my head. Is that weird? <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, but in the serious thing is, yeah, I agree with you. They're playing deeper in the zone. Uh, they don't pressure the guys at the blue line like they used to because they are uh, protecting the middle there. And I think a guy like Johnny Gaudreau specifically has made – a lot of money by being one of those forwards that pressures those guys at the blue line and makes steals and creates breakaways and two-on-ones and all that stuff. And within the system as it's currently being played, it is um, there's not as much emphasis being put on that. So I agree with you. That might be a tweak that uh, they could look at and, and, again, maybe let some guys play to their strengths. So go ahead with number two. And number two is... I think, and I don't think I'm sure of this, I'm sure that these players are lacking confidence. And I think that some of these players, they need some panache. And obviously, you're a broadcaster. You know what that means. Some people don't know what that means. It's basically reckless confidence that's almost admirable. What are you saying? All broadcasters have that? That's why I would know what it is? (laughs) Of course, Bob. Yes, of course you know what that means. Yes, I do. The thing is, is like, some. I'm going to use other players in the NHL, for example. You watch Jack Hughes. The puck goes on his stick. He's traveling halfway across the ice. And obviously, New Jersey Devils fans are a little bit more accustomed to it because it's a more free-flowing offensive system. But this guy's weaving in between defenders. He's taking on risk, and you're almost just like, man, these plays you're making in the neutral zone are really risky, but when you pull them off, you're just like only someone that confident would even attempt such a thing, and it also work. I think we need to take the training wheels off of Fantilli and Marchenko and Voronkov. I know I said this last time I called, but I really think those guys, they have a spark, and I think maybe letting the young guys with that panache have a little bit more ice time could inspire some of these veterans that might be down in the dumps, honestly. Well, he kept them together all week, and he even said after the game he played them 19 minutes, he should have played them 24 minutes. So, But now, (laughs) when you talk about them having a lack of confidence, I'm going to say this. You just made me think of this, and, and this might just be a great example as to what you're talking about. He let them together. They did well. He said he should have played the more minutes in one game, and now I thought they had an average game yesterday, and it wouldn't shock me if they were split up for the next game. And I don't think they should be, but it wouldn't surprise me. And that's that's kind of what you're talking about there too. Like As a player, the last thing you want to think about is, boy, I hope I don't make too many mistakes today because I don't know where I'll be in this lineup. Yeah, and I agree. And when you're scared to make mistakes – you're willing to take less risks because you don't want to make Well, when you're scared to make mistakes, all you do is make mistakes. Because when you're you're thinking about, I hope I don't screw this up, the first thing you do is screw it up, right? That's it. That's everybody. That's not just a hockey player. If you're going to play 
to be perfect, you're going to be far less than perfect for sure. Yes. And this is the realization that I made that I want to see if you agree with this sentiment or anyone there of in general. Pascal Vincent's made comments before that ideally Johnny likes to play on the left as a playmaker. So everything is to his right and obviously not literally in front of him, but in front of him. So there's four players in front of him or to his open side so he could make the pass. Correct. Yes. Obviously, we know the power play is dysfunctional. We know that Marchenko and Line ideally are those left-sided face-off circle snipers. But with Gaudreau ideally wanting to be the playmaker on the left side, it's always going to leave one of those snipers as an odd man out on one of these units. And what I was thinking was obviously there has to be a change quickly because the last thing well, they, that they but could they've put, John, really they put Johnny on the other side. Yes, or maybe add a threat that can shoot from the right face-off circle, like where he had success in Calgary. For instance, a guy that his name always seems to come up in these X spaces. A great left-handed shot that loves shooting from the right face-off circle. That's a center. That would be a great fit for this team. Is named Brock Nelson. And that, I think, potentially could open things up because, you know what, Bob, like if Marchenko... And Line A can't be sniping from that left face-off circle, and we want Johnny making plays from over there. We're gonna need to have someone shooting from the right face-off circle. And if if we don't have that, it's gonna continue to be dysfunctional. And that's just my opinion. <clears throat> well, everything about the power play is dysfunctional right now, unfortunately. So um, yeah. I, and by the way, and, for the for the record, I would love to have Brock Nelson on my team. Especially, I know he has the rest of this season and one more, but I'm pretty sure he's only making about $6 million yeah. a year. I, and the Islanders look like they honestly need a shake-up as well, so maybe potentially ideal trade partners. But the other thing I wanted to add in is, can we just give your check a shot on the top power play already? I mean, <laughs> please. Hey, well, I don't know if you noticed just this. give him one chance. Wierenski wasn't out there by the end of the game yesterday. Boquist was on one and Provorov was on the other one. I did notice that. And actually, you saying Wierenski's name actually reminded me. I, I know you obviously don't cover the Detroit Red Wings, but we've played them already. Mm-hmm. Have you have you noticed Shane Gossesfair's role on that Red Wings power play as basically, he's the guy in the right face-off circle yep. that's the left-handed shot that's quick and moving around and letting it rock. Maybe we should try Wierenski in a spot like that because obviously we know he can put pucks on net and he's got a great shot. And obviously, we need someone in the right face-off circle receiving those Johnny Gaudreau passes from the left. So obviously, I'm not a coach. I don't know if that's going to work. But just an idea, because I was thinking about how effective the Detroit power play is. And it's basically because Shane Gossesphere is like the free-roaming guy that's always finding himself open on the opposite side when everyone's focused on to bring it. Well, I, I think they're going to try anything. They even had Provrov as a net front guy in the, the game on, what, uh, Saturday against Washington, so you never know. Troy, thank you so much. Always great to talk with you, and we're going to move along here and uh, continue along and see who we have coming up next here on this uh, Monday Mailbag on X Spaces. Michael, welcome to the program. How are you, Michael? Hey, Bobby. Great. It's I've been waiting to hear from you, man. I've been reading your tweets for weeks, and I'm like, where'd this guy go? I haven't talked to him for a while. Hey, here I am. Lovely Monday morning in San Diego. Uh, nothing could be bad, right? Is there ever a bad Monday morning in San Diego? Uh, it rains every once in a while, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> but hey, 
Um, I'm normally known as a pretty level-headed guy, so I'm trying to keep that up. Although I think we all realize that we as fans are, are pretty fed up with this, and I think we understand and realize that. My question to all the people that want to fire everybody right now is, without a backup plan, like how are you going to find a GM right now, and what impact does that have on the team anyway? I think we have to realize that if we fire the GM right now, you're, you're looking at kind of like many years more of a rebuild, right? Um, are we willing to accept that? Like everybody that screams from the rooftops right now. Um, I, well, I, just I, think I sometimes... Let me interrupt you for a second, because I, I understand your yeah. point. I, I really do. And I've thought about this. Like if, if you're going to change at that position, who are you going to get? And there's, I don't, I don't have a clear answer to that right off the top, but what you just said is about many more years of a rebuild. That is not necessarily in the cards. And I say that because of this. Remember when John Davidson came in and let go Scott Housen and brought in Yarmo Kekalainen? Look, in, mm-hmm. in those early years, there was more in the cupboard, I think, than we realized that there was at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and they won when they first came in. They were winning with, I hate to put it this way because it, it sounds like it's so standoffish, but with another guy's players, uh, the players right. that somebody else had drafted. And, yep. and, I, and I think with what this team has done in the draft, I don't think it's out of the question that even if you made a change at that position and somebody new came in, you might find out that, hey, you know what? We can win with what is here. Like, like right now, they're not. But, and, there, and there would be tweaks that would be made. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But I think that, I think that the, the main base would uh, – I, I think there's, there's foundation here that somebody else – could build upon. So I don't know that you'd go into a full blown overall re, uh, rebuild again. That's, that's all I'm saying. So, so here, here's that, that's kind of segueing into my next point, because we have to remember that people before the season really thought that this roster was good enough for the, for even making um, a wild card or at least contending for the playoffs, right? Mollusk man also just said it. Why do we then not harp a little bit more on the players? Like, is there something wrong in this room that we're not seeing? Because all, we, we thought this roster was good enough. What changed? I don't think anything changed in terms of the setup and, 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 um, uh, the roster composition. You you know what I mean? Like, yes, I do. Is it, is it still the bad cups? Bad? Babcock situation, like what's wrong? Clearly that funk is something that they have to figure out by themselves. It is. It is. And it really is on them without question about it. And that's why when I was talking earlier about how Boone and Matthew Olivier yesterday were, you know, almost, they weren't begging people to, to get into the fight, but they were pointing out the fact that not enough of their teammates were at least yesterday in their opinion. And um, yeah, it, Look, at the end of the day, it does all come down on the players because they're the ones that are playing the game. They're the ones that are making the mistakes. They're the ones that are making the highlight plays. And, and they are, they're insulated, but that only, that only goes so far. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, eventually, you can't just blame it on a coach. You can't just blame it on a GM. You can't, it, at some point, and, I, and Olivier was very honest about this. He said, we have to mm-hmm. look in the mirror. We have to look at ourselves in the mirror. And uh, I remember when John Tortorella was here, he used to say stuff like that. He used to say, you know what? Uh, sometimes you'll find the problem in the mirror, whether you right. want to admit it or you don't want to admit it. So there, there's a lot of guys. I hope they're doing that today. I, I, I hope there are a lot of guys that are just, they don't have to, they don't have to be doing anything. They don't have to rewatch a game. They don't have to, I, 
I hope there are some of them that are just sitting alone today and letting their minds relax and thinking about what can I do to make this better? Because obviously I'm not doing enough. Right. And I have completely agree with that. And I hope some players do. And I have one last point that I want to make, because I do think the players need some help from the coaches to put them in the right position as well in the end. Right. So let's not talk about the abysmal power play anymore. I think we've done that at nauseum, but what about this defensive scheme here? Completely it's wrecked and it doesn't work. Right. Would very much like to see some changes there because I think that would give the players some more confidence to know that they play in a system that's not going to automatically get them scored on and maybe help them actually win a game, right? So it works for other teams, but clearly for us it it doesn't. So how long are we going to stick to that scheme before we change it? Well, I would think not much longer. I would think if there are tweaks they're going to make system-wise, they got to they got to get to that point. If you're if you're not going to change if you're not going to change players, and look, nobody's making trades right now, and I know this team's been trying to make a trade for a long time and can't find a fit. So if you're not going to change the players, you're going to have to make some changes to the way that you're doing things. So, yeah. and I think you're, yeah. I think you're about at that point. I mean, you're Thanksgiving and I'm, you know, that whole thing about if you're out of the playoffs at Thanksgiving is, you know, that's kind of a fable. I, I did like the fact that the, the players were saying the other day about how St. Louis was dead last. And then they, they turned it around. They won the Stanley cup. I mean, that hardly ever happens. It happened that one time, but you know, they're saying that and then they go out and they get beat yesterday and now they're, completely demoralized so um yeah it's yeah something yeah, something you've got to you're right coaching wise you got to make some tweaks you got to try to make things better for your players and then if you do that and they still don't get better then you know that's more the responsibility on their shoulders not yours yeah well hey you're still level-headed michael i think you're still level-headed Oh, that's great to hear from somebody that would absolutely call me out if it wasn't so thanks Bobby. <laughs> hey good hearing from you same, same. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, yeah, it's been a while there. I hadn't heard from Michael. I'm glad that he uh, got on board today. All right, where are we going next here? We are going to go to uh, Tom is next up on uh, today's show. Hello, Tom. Oh, unmute, Tom. If you unmute, then you can be on. Can you uh, hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Perfect. Um. Oh, boy. A, <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I said an hour ago. Oh boy. <laughs> there's a, a lot to talk about, Bob, and I'm I'm gonna try to keep this short for you. <laughs> um I think the thing that I've I've been I've been listening along a little kind of in and out uh, as you've been talking to other speakers and all that. Um the thing that I hear the most is just with all of our frustration with the fans, with the players, with everyone is I don't know what, what's the plan? You know what I mean? Like, what's the plan for, I, I, I kind of think back to the days with torts and him saying, well, it's going to be rough, but these are our guys and we'll work through it. And we'll, we're going to, we're going to get to an end here where hopefully things are better and we're winning games and stuff like that. And, I I don't I don't get the same impression here now. I don't get the same impression of I mean, how long has Yarmo been trying to make a trade to hopefully improve the team? So like do the guys know if they're gonna be here next year or or by trade deadline? Like I, I don't I, I don't get the idea that 
this is the complete team. I don't even get the idea that this is the coach. I don't get the idea. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems – it still feels like we're halfway between a raw egg and an omelet in some ways or something. I I've never know. heard that before. I like that one. <laughs> and, and, and the question is, where is that exactly? <laughs> right. Like, is this just a mess on the floor, or is right. this going to be something that you're going to serve somebody? Yeah. Uh, uh, that is, that's a great question, and, you know, you're asking it, and I hear the frustration in your voice, <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm, as you're asking yeah. it the whole time, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. And yeah. Because, like, when, as you go back to when John Tortorella was here, it, they were rebuilding. They were... They were doing what he's doing in Philly right now, right? He was coming in to take over a franchise that needed reset mentally and physically, and then they had to add pieces along the way. And that that wasn't his job. His job was to to challenge the guys that were here and make them better, and he was doing that. Now there are guys here that are all already supposed to be at a certain level, not all of them, but enough of them, Yeah, and they're not playing to that level. So – Right. I don't know, and, and I don't well, and think, I think I don't think anybody knows right now, and that's what makes it the most frustrating of all. I think the players are yeah. saying, "I don't know," and the coaches are saying, "Well, we think we know, but maybe we don't know." And the, the front office is saying they're looking at the roster and saying, "I don't know." We we feel we've put a lot of talent here, which is crazy because it's like, so honestly, I think the the way I saw, and I'm just I'm just the guy that watches the Blue Jackets that has no other, I don't know. I feel like I, as an outsider, to me, the whole Babcock thing felt like 4D chess in terms of, like, showing the, us fans, here we tried the outside hire of this prolific winning coach, and you see how that went. Let's give the guy that we've been wanting to be the head coach, but we wanted to make sure, I don't know, that it was under the right circumstances. I don't know. I think that it felt like let's try everything else and then let's let's give him a shot. And we know that – I don't know. I like Pascal Vincent a lot. And I think that he will succeed, if not here. He's going to succeed somewhere because I think he is a, a good coach from what I've seen. Um, honestly, I love what he's been saying about – like he kind of reminds me a little bit like Tortorella in terms of – uh, the accountability and all that stuff. But the other thing, like, I like the coach. I like pretty much all the players we've got, and it's just infuriating to see what that's making. You know what I mean? Like, that, that I think that that's the part of the the process that's just, I don't know. It's just, it's so frustrating because I, I, I look at the roster and I, I – the some of the Brock Nelson was brought up earlier. Brock Nelson's great. I don't know who I'd give up for him that wouldn't make any sense. Let me answer that question for you. Line, let me that, let me answer that question for you right now. All right, when your team is playing right? like this, when your team's playing like this, and and you don't know what the answers are, I think yeah, there are very few exceptions of guys you wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up Adam Fantilli. You start going right. much deeper than that, I don't know how deep I would go because at some point, yeah. at some point as fans, 
we, and I'll include myself in this, and, and I'll, it's it's even yeah. different for me because there are, I, I know them personally, and I, I like them a lot, right, just in general, players in general. So there are some oh, guys sure. who are like, well, yeah. I, I hope we never get rid of this guy. But in essence, there are times that you do have to get rid of guys. I, look, here's what sure. – when I first got here, when I first came up here from the American Hockey League, I had spent time in Syracuse with Mark Mathot, and I like Mark Mathot a lot. And he was playing here when I first got here. And they traded him for Nick Felino, And I, I, was, mm. I was sad that a guy that I was close with was leaving. But I think we can all agree, no offense to Mark, he went on and still had a great career. Um, that Nick Felino trade yeah. was a pretty damn good trade, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we get locked on guys. Look, Fantilli's a, a, a franchise future piece, so he's not going anywhere. But, you know, when... Get sure. get beyond that, and I'm taking contracts out of it. Some contracts you're just not going to be able to to uh, trade. But other than that, yeah, I mean, you you got it. Look, I like Cole Sillinger a lot. He's if that's a guy that somebody wants in a trade, <laughs> as much as yeah. you might not like it, you know it that you have to look at it. And and that's sure. that's where the general manager uh, is can't be a fan. He's got to be about the business. So there for me and you, there are a lot of guys you go, yeah. oh no, don't get rid of that guy. When Cam Atkinson got traded, how many people were yeah. they were beside themselves about it? it? Yeah, I'm glad I don't have that job because it's been infuriating no. sometimes to see too, like just to see, like I don't know, see William Carlson light it up, like I, I okay, know. okay, I but hold on a second, hold on, here and then the, you know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. brought you brought this yeah. guy up, so I'm going to say William Carlson had one great season, oh. one great season. William yeah, Carlson's back to being just a regular player, 15 goals a year, right? I mean, he had one season, he had 40. Yeah. He fell into the perfect situation. And, yeah. I, and I'll tell you why I'm saying that, because I feel <laughs> like right. I right. feel like Emil Bemstrom is here because William Carlson had such a great year with Vegas, and they feel that Bemstrom has this potential, mm. and they're afraid to let him go do it for somebody else. Well, I'm sorry. It's four years into it, and he's finally back in Cleveland. I just don't think it's going to happen. It's not because they don't like the kid. Yeah. It's because there's just something that stops it from happening. And if he went somewhere else and he did it for somebody, and by the way, 31 teams just passed on him on waivers last week, by the way. But if he yeah. went and he did it yeah. somewhere else as a general manager, if I were a general manager, I'd say, well, you know what? Good for him because I gave him four years and he just didn't do it, <laughs> right? But I think that's the William Carlson effect yeah. because you're so afraid that they're going to do something somewhere else. He's not. And Wild Bill, totally. as good of a guy as he is, you know, he's not a top-line centerman on that team anymore. He wins the Stanley Cup, but he's a, a support player and a role player, and that's what he was going to be. Now, should he be on a fourth-line center here? Could he have played up in the lineup? That's a completely different conversation we can have another time. But, yeah, that's that's my whole thing I'm, I'm saying sure. to you. You know, I bring up one example of getting a Nick Foligno. You bring up an example of a William Carlson going somewhere. That's the nature of the business and the nature of the beast, and guys are going to come and go, and um, sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it's not, but – the best trades are the ones that work for both teams, and that's really what you're you're trying to do. You want to get something that works for you, and if it works for you, the other guy, great, yeah. because then he'll trade with you again. He won't be upset that he got fleeced on the last trade. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Tom, I well, think thanks, we beat Have it to death, I believe. Man. Yeah, so thank you. Appreciate you being on today. Um, let me see here. Let me see what I still have set up here because I honestly have somewhere that I have to be. In a short period of time, imagine this show going late today. Can you believe it? Can you believe this show going long today? 
with what's going on here. Let's talk to Peter. Let's bring Peter on. Hello, Peter. Are you there, Peter? Says that you are, but I can't hear you. I can't hear Peter. So, uh, Peter, stay there. We're going to uh, gonna try it again. Are you there? Hello, Peter. Not there. All right. I don't know what's going on there. So let's, uh, let's try another, let's try Lauren and see if, uh, Lauren is there. Hello, Lauren. Yes. Hey, Bob. Can you hear me? I can. Well, it's good to talk to you today. I'm still in the mildly positive camp. I'm not, uh, too bummed out. I mean, everybody's been pretty bummed with the losses, but something that did stand out to me was a few weeks ago, uh, past Al Vincent had talked about breaking bad habits and I'm looking at how many losses we've had and it seems pretty habitual. So I wanted to know, you know, we've been talking about, you were just talking with someone about the, um, trades that have been made and all the changes and people want to fire people. And it seems like no matter the players that we have or what happens, there are just these bad habits, power play, face-offs, whatever you want to talk about. And then also players who start changing the way that they play, like Josh Anderson. He used to be the guy that you'd count on to score like really gritty goals and play super physically. And he had a problem of trying to be too cute and make really good plays and it just wasn't working for him and he wasn't scoring. And now Patrick Line is changing. So I just kind of noticed those things and I'm curious if there's anything particularly with the bad habits that stands out to you that would fix a lot of the problems. Well, for the guys who are trying to be fancy, quit watching the highlights. <laughs> yeah. Just make the plays, right? I agree. Just, how about for Patrick Line, to me, it seems simple. And again, everything is simple from where I sit. Shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. Don't give it to Cole Sillinger yes. to shoot if he's on your line. You shoot it. You're the yes. guy that's supposed to be the goal scorer. Shoot the puck. Exactly. I could not understand that one. It's like you would think Jadro would be the one to set him up, and he would be the one to shoot, and that just hasn't been hey, happening. Look, look, in, in Washington, he drops a pass between his legs. If Cole puts it in the net, it's on all the highlight shows. But yeah. it was on all the highlight shows. Why? Because it went the other way and turned into a goal the other way. So <sighs> don't be that guy, right? Yeah. Shoot the puck. Or if you're going to make that pass, you, you better be doggone sure that it's going to land where it's supposed to land. And it, how long have we been talking about that with different players? Just I think every year for the past six or seven years. Yes, and that's as long <laughs> as I've been a fan. <laughs> I mean, even when they were even when they were good, even when they were winning and getting into the playoffs, there's there's still guys and it's it's nature of the beast. You know, everybody wants to to have these great plays and, and all that stuff. But um you know, the face-offs, they, I, I don't understand the face-offs. I mean, there's, there are two guys on this team in Jenner and Corrali that are reliable, and then after that it uh, becomes a crapshoot. Voronkov, they're trying to get him to take face-offs, but, man, he's got a – I don't know what he's doing to get waved out so fast, but he needs, <laughs> he, needs how, he needs to learn what he needs to do to take a face-off in the NHL because th- this guy can't even get to the dot, and they're waving him out. So, um, huh. yeah, that's, that's a problem in the power play we've – we've talked about I the power play is should not be what it is and they've got to figure out how to make it what it should be and even again even back when they were in the playoffs we were talking about power play it's never been and you could say you know well this coach that coach and you know right now it's Mark Recchi well what's Mark Recchi doing well this is this has been a problem for numerous coaches for a long time I don't know why it is but they got to figure it out 
And the players got to figure right. it out. Quit passing so much. Shoot the puck. Put the puck on net. You know, Liney and, yes. and Goudreau keep trying to make this pass all the way across the ice. They can't get it through. Yeah. I don't know why they can't get it through, but they can't get it through. So shoot it or something. Like, come up with a, another option. Or is there a better option? Yeah, anything's better than getting it picked off in the middle of the ice and thrown down the length of the ice. I'm with you. I like the idea of putting Corrales line out there. You know, they're the ones yeah. that are going and just get them out there. See what happens. So you, you know you've what? Got nothing to lose. You know, you skill guys, <laughs> you skill guys, you can't get it done. So watch this. I'm going to put these guys out there and, and see what happens. And if they do a good job, leave them there. I don't care. Yeah. Look, nobody, we're not looking for, uh, neither you nor I are looking to have a Zach Wierenski power play goal or a Johnny Gaudreau power play goal or a Patrick Liney power play goal. We're just looking for a power play goal. I don't care who scores yes. it. Yeah, we don't care. Just just make it happen. At this just point, we'll make it happen. Put it yeah, on a t-shirt, we'll... Lauren. Just make it happen. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for taking my question, Bob. All right. Thanks. Good to talk to you. All right. Let's go. I got uh, two more. and I, I got a hustle here. I'm going to give Peter another opportunity to see if we can get Peter this time. Peter. Can you hey, hear me? There you are. All right. Sorry see, about that. See, you know what? You guys, I, yeah, I give, I'll give you guys credit. Anybody that's had a problem today... You've made an adjustment and you fixed it, and I, I think See the team works, should the team should take this as an example. Isn't that crazy? It seems it so simple. <laughs> What's on your so, mind? So, I don't want to beat a dead horse. We've already kind of talked about firings and who should be fired, who shouldn't be fired. But I just want to make my argument and just see what you have to say. I mean, I think that everybody can agree that this franchise feels like it's kind of directionless and it has maybe felt like that for the last couple of years definitely since Torch left it's kind of felt directionless I don't know if that's just a coaching thing but I feel like now Yarmo's the third longest tenured GM in the NHL I don't know if people know that but that stat I saw the other day and it kind of made me think like what have we done since he's been here yes we've made the playoffs a couple times um we've had a couple good seasons not necessarily all with his players that he's drafted. We can get into drafting if you want to, because I, I have a problem with that too. But my point is, I just feel like I would love to see what the franchise could do with a different person at the helm. I mean, I like Jarmo. I have no, Jarmo, I have no, you know, ill will towards him. I think he's done good things, but sometimes you got to know when to pull the plug. I mean, I also feel like, um, the Babcock thing that that's really what kind of set me into this direction of where I think we need someone different because I just feel like the last three years with some of the contracts he signed and the Babcock thing, it just, I lost complete and utter faith in him. And I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I, I know, I know other people can make arguments that he, you know, has done so much good that it kind of, he has a lot of leeway or a lot of, you know, he still should stay, but I just, I don't know. I don't. I'm scared to let him take over with another trade deadline and screw anything else up because I'm his his questionable recently his decision making in my opinion. What do you think is what's most questionable to you right now? Just curious. That's a good. That is a good question. His See, I can ask the questions too, not just answer them. I know. I know. You, you caught me off guard with that one. I wasn't ready. Uh, no, I'm just. No, I'm. I'm honestly. I'm only asking you because you're. You're making good points. You have it all broken down. But you know what's. Um. You know you're talking about the. You don't want them to run a, a trade deadline. But what. What is the the most questionable thing on your, most, on your mind right now? What's What's most questionable is just like I feel 
as based off what I said in the beginning about directionless, I feel like he's kind of in win now mode. I don't know if it's to save his job or if it's because he really thinks this roster is good enough, which is concerning because it's clearly not. Um, but he's been saying playoffs. The, this roster's not. Ma- I don't think this roster is making the playoffs. So if he thinks that this roster is good enough to make the playoffs, then his judgment is clearly, you know, not all the way there, in my opinion. Or he was lying to save his job, which is another problem. Um, but yeah, I just think his decision making the last couple of years has been off. The contracts are. We have some of the worst contracts, I think. In the NHL, like if you look at the NHL top to bottom, I think we have some of the most questionable, I won't say worse, maybe the most questionable contracts in the league. Like it's it's just getting to a point where I feel like I don't know who it could be, but a different voice at the top could definitely do some wonders. And people say like, oh, it's not going to make a difference this season. Okay, we understand that it's not going to change the wins um, necessarily right away, but it's going to tell the fan base like, Hey, this isn't good enough. Like the front office needs to send, I don't know if they would do like a press conference or a, you know, a memo out to the fan base, but something needs to tell the fan base, like this isn't good enough. We know it's not acceptable and it should fall at some point at the feet of, of Yarmo. Like how many losses in a row can it get to before they, they pull the plug? You know, I, I don't want to ramble, but I've just, these questions keep popping up. Like I, I give Pascal Vincent uh, a pass. Like he, his systems are questionable, but I, I like some of the stuff he says and does. So he gets a pass for now. So the next person to me would be, would be, you know, the top. All right. You said a couple Arnold. of things there. I want to ask you about. Um, okay. So with Pascal, you like some of the things that he says and I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I understand that somebody else said he, he kind of has some Tortorella in him. And I think that that's, I think that's fair. Um, you know, the thing about you always knew the direction with John Tortorella because he would always come out and tell you, right? Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a blessing and a curse at different times. You know what I mean? Right. But yep. there, there was never any question. He is on, like, he is sometimes, I don't care what people say about the guy. Sometimes he's honest to a fault. Yeah. I was just about to say he's honest. You know, what's on his, you know, what's on his mind. He has right. plenty punches. And that's why you always felt like you knew the direction that it was going because, he would tell you and he would yep. tell you when he thought it was going the wrong direction. And, mm-hmm. and now, and most coaches don't do that. As you know, everybody's pretty tight lipped in every sport. You don't, you very seldom get a coach like that who is so confident in his abilities and feels like he's not going to get fired that he'll just come out and tell you whatever is true. Okay. Right. I'm not saying they're lying. I'm saying that they're not just being they're, they're I'll tell you what I can tell you, but then there's stuff I can't tell you. That's, that's mm-hmm. the way coaches operate all across sports. So you always knew what direction. And so now, and, and I think after six years of that, I think that you you want to hear somebody say that, right? And, and Pascal is, but uh, from, look, Yarmo and JD know this isn't good enough. They know. And I, I don't think they need to, to make a statement to tell the fans. I mean, they know it. And what they have to do is is figure out with their coaches, figure out why it's not good enough and what they can do about it, whether that's make a trade, whether that's, um, you know, bring somebody up or move somebody down or what, that's that's what they have to do. The other thing I was going to ask you was, let's go back to Labor Day before training camp opened, okay? Mm-hmm. Before let's, let's go back to before there was a, a coaching controversy at all, all right? Mm-hmm. When you looked at the roster at that point, did you think this team would be in the playoffs or have a chance to make the playoffs? 
Me personally, yes. I did not. Okay. I did not. I just thought it was. It wasn't all the way because of our roster. It was more of like a uh, East thing. Like it's just too many juggernauts, and it's a, it's a meat grinder where we're at. Okay, but it was that combined with our roster. Did you Maybe like? That, did you like the roster better then than you do seeing it in action now? Um, did you think it was going to be better one. than it is right now? Because and here's why I'm asking you that. Let me just. I did. Here, I did. I okay. did. To answer your question, yes. As a general manager, if I'm Yarmo and I'm looking at that roster in early September, I don't feel bad about it. I'm looking at yeah. it. And I'm saying, yeah, I got some pretty good pieces here. This is good. But having good pieces and having good pieces perform the way they're supposed to are two different things. And I think that's where we are now, right? Granted, granted, I didn't really watch too much of Stevenson or Pro Rob. I knew the names, but I didn't know, you know, exactly how they played. And after watching them so far, they do some good things, but a lot for being veterans, a lot of bonehead, low IQ decisions that get made by them. And it's not just them, obviously. I don't want to pick on them, but yeah. uh Looking back, it's like, yeah, the roster looked better than last year, of course, and maybe the last couple of years, but still, like, there's just some glaring holes. Like, center depth, obviously, has been a constant problem forever. It's just a lot of glaring holes. I mean, it can go on for days. But I, if I'm if I'm Yarmo, I don't know how he thought this was going to be a playoff team. Like, it, there's when you look at other playoff teams, they have bona fide 40 goal scores here and there, 30 goal scores. We don't have anybody that other than Johnny and, and line a, and it's hard to even say that now that you can guarantee year in and year out are going to put up 70 points and 40 goals or 30 goals. Like we, we don't have the scoring like that. We don't have the constant great goaltending. And it's, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. It's, it, I think Yarmo's decision-making is just left me very, underwhelmed and um, not confident for the future. And I just think a new voice would be, would be better. And I, I don't mind, I wouldn't mind if they did it in the middle of the season. Yeah, it would be kind of tough to tough waters to tread, but I think it'd be, um, I, w I would be happy to see that to be honest. Unfortunately, I don't want it to go that way, but that's what I think needs to happen. Understood. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate it. No problem. Well thought out. That's what I like about you guys, too. I mean, really, in general. I, I can get tweets saying, fire this guy, fire that guy, fire everybody, get rid of everything, burn it to the ground, and rebuild it all over. But really, really, I mean, the, the level-headed approach is one you have to take. It, like, even as, a, as an owner, if you react to every single thing that happens, you're not going to be very good very often, you know. And, um, and I, I understand what Peter's saying, but I, I really do think that you know, looking at the roster, Patrick Laine has been a 40-goal scorer. Johnny Gaudreau has had over 100 points. You don't expect them to be struggling like they are. Marchenko had over 20 goals last year as a rookie. Uh, you're expecting more out of that. Um, Fantilli, I'm, not that I want to saddle him with needing 20 to 25 goals, but, you know, potential is there to be a big-time player. Uh, Provorov and Severson, I will say this about them, especially Severson. I think at times, you know, you – you get a big money contract and you come to a new team and you're trying so hard to impress. As I was talking with a, an earlier uh, conversation here, sometimes when you play not to make mistakes, all you do is make mistakes. I, I think Damon Severson at times tries too hard. Damon, you don't have to justify the money you're making, buddy. Just just play your game. That's They brought you in to play your game. Just play your game. And I think Pro Rob is the same way at times where 
He, he tries to do too much. You just got to stay within yourself. Listen, here's the deal. I've got somewhere that I absolutely positively have to be, so I'm only taking one more, and I'm going to take uh, Lester to close out the show today. Hello, Lester. Well, we're both in a hurry, so I'll keep it short. Hey, I, 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 I had somebody ask me today, or no, earlier this week, I had somebody not ask me. Somebody told me that they they really um, – they're really impressed with your knowledge and dedication and, and how you go through the research for your questions and answers. Uh, well, uh, you got to take the time. I, I don't so whatever one of your relatives that was, you make sure you tell them that they got through. Uh, they'll, they'll get a Christmas bonus <laughs> this year. Go ahead. Anyway, you kind of brushed on a good point. Uh, when you see guys like Bemstrom and Robinson pass through waivers to go to Cleveland, you have to realize they didn't have any value on the trade market. And, you know, people that want to make a trade have to understand you just can't take three or four guys we're not using and dump them on somebody and get something good in return. If you want to get Brock Nelson, the Islanders are most likely going to say, okay, we'll take Kirill Marchenko. I mean, you're going to be forced to make a trade. You're going to give up somebody you don't want to give up because – other teams, if they're going to trade for a player, they want somebody who's going to help them win right now. They're not looking for a bunch of fringe pieces. And that's something a lot of the fans have to understand. So a trade, although I'd love to see him make one, I realize the chance of one getting pulled off is not very good. Uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to touch they on have, is... They have two defensemen I mean, sitting the in the press box every night that they've been trying to find something to do with to make it better for them and make it better for the team for weeks and they can't find something. So that just tells you where the trade market is right now. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, I think for me, sometimes the frustration goes beyond just what's been going on the last three weeks. I mean, we can't buy a win against the Penguins to save ourselves and we sure can't go there and win. And when I see the Penguins have a four and five home record right now, and they've lost at home to teams like Chicago and Anaheim and Ottawa. And I say those teams can go to Pittsburgh and win a game, but it's been almost a decade since the Blue Jackets have gone there and won. I have to scratch my head and say, why? But I think a lot of our fans are being done in right now. I think we just have to be patient and stay the course because I, I, we are a generation of people that are raised in the backseat of our parents' cars, and we would always sit back there and say, on a family trip, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We always want things right now. And when somebody like Yarmo says, well, I expect to make the playoffs this year, that's probably not a thing I'd want to say to the fan base because I heard Steve Eiserman in an interview about four years ago say, to rebuild a hockey team and do it right takes about seven years, and even then you're playing for a window of two to four years where you might be able to win the Stanley Cup. And I, I think if I were Yarmo, I would play it like the politicians who run for president and have no chance to win do. You'll see him get on TV at night and they'll say, Senator McElligot is going to address his supporters after his 4% showing in the South Dakota primary. And Senator McElligot goes up there and he flashes the peace sign victory uh, symbols and says, well, our polling had us at 2%, but we're up to four percent our campaign is gaining momentum and we did twice as good as we thought we would do what yarmo should do is dumb it down a bit and say well we figured it'd be maybe a, a 70 point team this year and then when you hit 80 you can say we're way ahead of where we thought we would be because when he sits there and talks playoffs and they're really not close i, I think this road is not going to be so quickly or easily traveled he gives the fans the impression this thing is easier than it is and it's 
sure isn't. It's it's going to be tough, especially in the East, to get back to where we want to be. It is, and uh, you know, I mean, I like his confidence, but you make a good point about that. And uh, by the way, I would be well above four percent, just so you know. Well, well, see, I, I think you'd be hanging around just to get uh, a running mate with uh, Governor Shelley. <laughs> I would take that. I, I'd take that job in a heartbeat, as a matter of fact. By the way, wow. you know, you talked about sitting in the back seat and saying, are we there yet? You know, the kids now, they just sit in the back seat and they look at their phones. They don't ask any questions. They don't talk to you. Um, but it's still the same result. They expect everything to be instant. So I think this is a, a couple of generations. You make a good point. A couple of generations that are looking at this and saying, why hasn't this changed yet? It needs to change now. And uh, sometimes patients... Even though it is the, uh, the the more frustrating avenue, sometimes it's the right avenue. And, again, on paper, this team didn't look this bad, but they're playing this bad right now. So things have to be figured out, but, but no, we're not there yet, as you just said. Always good to talk to you. Have a good week. All right, thanks, Lester. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. And happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I'm sorry if I didn't get to you, but I, I literally have to run. I have a place I've got to be, and I've got just about enough time to get there if I leave here right now. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I hope that uh, you enjoy your family, your friends. Uh, if you're traveling, please have safe travels. Uh, we're going to be traveling on Thanksgiving. I did have a tweet. I, I didn't even get to a lot of the the written tweets. Somebody had asked me about what am I looking forward to doing on Thanksgiving? Well, we're traveling on Thanksgiving this year, so I'm not going to get to do that much. I'm going to try to get a turkey dinner in at lunch and then get to the airport and go to New York and the Blue Jackets will take on the Devils uh, the day after Thanksgiving afternoon game against New Jersey. So that's what my plans are. I hope you have great plans. As I said, Please be safe, take care of yourself, take care of your friends, take care of your family, and we will do this again next week. Thank you for being part of the Monday Mailbag. Blue Jackets will be at home, by the way, uh, on Wednesday. We're going to have the inside edge for you tomorrow. I almost forgot to do this, so sorry. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have a special Tuesday edition of the Inside Edge. Jody Shelley and I, Adam Fantilli, is scheduled to be our guest on that show at 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, 97.1 The Fan. And then on Wednesday, it is the first head-to-head -head between Adam Fantilli and Connor Bedard as the Blackhawks are in town for a 7 o'clock game. All right, I have covered it all. So again, until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.